Sports talk show for your drive home. Jets defense, man. We don't have a defense. That's a better defense than us. A lot better. Same record. But Carl, again, they're playing against better competition. (laughs) It doesn't matter. The record is the record. All right, so you go get a quarterback, and we still have nobody to get the quarterback on the ground on the other side. We're going to be in the same boat. Well, they had a great defense, and they didn't get anything done last year. This is a team which is poised to go. We're not there yet. We don't have the talent they've got. They they won seven games in a much more difficult division than we did. This is Dukes and Bell on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Oh, everybody keeps telling me they're so much better than we are. Yet, there we are sitting in the same spot. They're just in a different sequence than we are. They've drafted well, except they keep screwing up the quarterback. They've got the other pieces. They got a good coach. They did. They did really well with a bunch of bums throwing the football. But I just think they're further down the road. Now, hopefully, we aspire to do the kind of things in the draft that they've done the last few years. That's so, that's my point. So that means we're going to go spend fifty million dollars on a quarterback then. Well, I mean, Ritter may be the that's guy. What they're about to do. Well, but Ritter may develop into the guy. I don't know. I look. I would love to find a. A big-time quarterback in this draft, i got to be honest with you, I would still take a number of the quarterbacks we've discussed the past few weeks at eight if they're available, or maybe move up and do it. But, you know, that's – but a lot of guys think they've seen what uh, they've seen enough with Ritter. Herm Edwards came on the show about this time yesterday and said, you know, you don't really know what you got in four games. No, you, you don't. I mean, you're fooling yourself if you're going to tell me, and that's what I said. You I mean, I want look, to. You can't even look me in right. the face with a straight face right. and go, man, we got Ritter, we good. You can't. You can't. You but just can't. We all want him to be the guy because it allows you to go do all the other things and not have to worry about the quarterback. But that's the thing I thought the only thing I can beef about Arthur Smith this year, not going for it on fourth down against the Saints and not getting Ritter out there on the field sooner than he did. All right, guys, more on the Falcons coming up. And if you're going, what are you guys talking about? Who are you talking about? We'll tell you coming up. Right now, though, let's talk some dogs. Bell on the sidelines with the dogs. We're going to hear from Nolan Smith, who came on the steakhouse today. But before we do, Mike, let's talk about Jim Beheim because this happened mm-hmm. yesterday during the show. Syracuse loses. Um, he's done after 47 seasons. And I, I just kind of want to rehash some of the things that we mentioned yesterday because it is a big story in college mm-hmm. basketball, guys. When a guy who's been around this long with a record that he's Mm. had and certainly the the uh, impact that he's had on college basketball it's a big deal some people though mike are saying it was just time like he should have maybe done this two years ago and yeah. he hung around and hung around and then when you say this is up to the university well they made the decision for him yeah jim Beheim's second only uh obviously mike mike krzyzewski's the number one and then it's Beheim. calhoun is uh just about 70 wins behind him it just Carl, it's, it's kind of tough. Now, Coach Bowden, he didn't get, like, I, I, he's not surly at the end. He just, unfortunately, lost his way, lost his assistant coaches, and the, and the performance on the team and the field wasn't there. Bayheim just got angry. You know, it's just kind of like cranky old, uh, you know, just angry grumpus. And, and this year it really kind of came to a head. They get knocked out by Wake, and they go with his assistant, Adrian Autry, who uh, played for him back in the day. But it just, unfortunately, some guys, I mean, you, you, like everyone, we could all you know, bail, you know, bail out gracefully, but it didn't really go down this way. So they kind of forced his hand up there at the cues. Yeah. Um, is he one of the all-time greats? Yes. The, the numbers bear that. The question, as we asked about the great Dean Smith, Mike, when he retired, or any of these other guys, Coach K, with all the talent that came through Duke, should he have won more than one national championship? Yes. Ironically, he wins it with Jerry McNamara, not Carmelo Anthony, the one year that he had him. I mean, it's a crazy story, man, that you said it. That was one of the great Final Fours with Dwayne Wade and Marquette when Tom Crean knew what he was doing. There was a lot of, there was a lot of action down there, man. You know, Roy Williams, 
You know, and it was it was it was a scene. I just think, look, Beheim. I've always felt great recruiter. The two three defenders, their version of zone defense was always a kind of their calling card. But I always felt like sometimes you never like felt that he's going to really draw the best uh, best thing that beats you late in the game. You know what I mean? Bobby yeah. Kremens was a great recruiter. Cantwell was his assistant. Was kind of like the strategic thinker, not to because Bobby was a, is a wonderful coach. But I, I never thought Bayheim was the best tactical guy. Is that is that fair? It is. It is. I mean, listen, he had great players that came right. through Syracuse. He could get the guys he wanted. A lot of people felt like uh, you know he just wanted the talent to uh, take over the game at the end, rather than setting you up or setting up plays mm-hmm. or having a system that allowed his talent to flourish. Guys, when Mello was there, Mello was the best player in the country just because Mello was the best player in the country. Like, they weren't doing anything. I mean, again, Mello's playing. They're playing a 2-3 zone at Syracuse. Right. It's not like Mello was a lockdown guy, but offensively his skill set was so good, he's just better than everybody else. And, you know, you get to the Final Four, and that's kind of like Beheim. Either way, after 47 years, uh, Syracuse has a new coach. Mike, let's hear from Nolan Smith because here's the thing. Nolan stopped by the steakhouse today. We'll hear the uh, entire interview coming up in just a little bit. And also stick around for your chance to win Snoop Dogg tickets as we've got another pair today. But Nolan was talking about the combine and the prep he put in and the results he got. Um, I was happy with my performance the official time just because that's what I was typically running in, you know, the – the three three the three four nines and that in that four three nine range. Um I had one I my split was kinda off because um a lot of my splits back at in proactive and back in California were one five. So I hundred percent thought it was gonna jump down because my drilling and everything was gonna be rushing. Um I just went out there and had a good I had a good time and you know I ran really hard. Well not really hard because I almost pulled my hamstring but they told me <laughs> to lay a good time down and just make sure I keep my feet running and keep everything that we talked about doing. And then the second time, I was just going to open it up and let it go. And that he did. He uh, he balled out, guys. We think he increased his draft stock maybe, I don't know, five, six, hmm. ten positions. I, I don't know where he was and then where he is now compared to what teams are thinking about him. What we do know, Mike, is there are a lot of teams that are high on Nolan Smith right now. Right, and now just a matter of Chuck Smith says, and Chuck's going on to be the D-line uh, D- uh, with the linebackers with the Ravens, but Chuck's always at least told us he thinks that he's you know, obviously amazed by the numbers, but he needs maybe more of a fit in the right scheme. And you asked me earlier, Jalen Carter, or I mean, I think either one. If, if Jalen Carter's there, I think i got to take Jalen Carter. But if we wound up with Nolan Smith in this draft, I don't. I don't wouldn't really consider that a reach at eight based on what he did with the combine. But it just you didn't get to see all of him this year in Georgia because of the injury. You think Ryan Nielsen, and see, we don't know this because, again, he's new. We don't necessarily – all we can do is go by what he did in New Orleans. But if you get Nolan Smith, doesn't that change your defense a little bit? Totally. I mean, because you can use him a a myriad of ways, his athleticism, his speed. I mean, just think of if if Nolan Smith lives up to what he's – he accomplished things at Georgia, but he really did blow people away at the combine and kind of elevated it. We haven't had a guy like that. since like the predator, John Abraham. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, and granted, Abe is kind of a one-trick pony, and he was, you know, coming off the edge. But as a kid, I got to watch Lawrence Taylor. Now, I'm not saying I would compare him to the, the, the goat, but if, if you get something like that in this building, we just haven't had that in years. Let's hear Nolan Smith talk about nerves for draft night. Um, where he goes, we don't know, but this is what he said as far as where his nerves will be. Um, I, you know, I, that's what I tell a lot of people. You know, I don't want to go to Kansas just because it's a lot of. Preparation to do that, and it's also a lot of heartache if you don't get picked. Um, that's one of the things that a lot of guys don't think about. A lot of guys think about it, 
I just think about it just because Nicobe was probably one of the best players that I ever been around as far as the game, how he went about the game, and he's one of those guys that push you and motivate you. And just to see him go in the third round, he was just like, man. Yeah, for what it's worth, SI, uh, by the way, has Nolan Smith. Now, I don't, I don't think he slips all the way down there, but they're saying the Cowboys would be interested in him or maybe moving up to get him and pair him with Micah Parsons. Giddy Ooh, up. Dan wee. Quinn's going to think he died and went to heaven. Yeah. So when are they picking? When they're all the way down to 26. Mm. So they have to move up. Yeah, and, and I do think somebody moves up, just like I think somebody, you know, these teams are going to move up to get a quarterback. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We're hearing from Nolan Smith. Full interview on the way. A little bit later on, Nolan was talking about would he want to play for the Falcons? Yeah, I love to stay home. I went to Georgia. Um, I'm from the state. So the Falcons would get everything that they have from Georgia that I did at Georgia out of me at the Falcons organization. Um, I would love that. Love to be a part of that program. I didn't have no favorite, you know, NFL team growing up. I'm just happy to be a part of any 32 organizations that want to pick me. And uh, I can't ready. I'm ready to work. I have a meeting with the Falcons. I'm so excited about that. But yeah, I'm a hometown kid. I would love to stay home, but you know, certain things go for certain reasons, and you know, you never know until your name's called. Mm. He says he has a meeting mm-hmm. with the Falcons. Um, and again, guys, they're going to meet with everybody, right? right. You're going to meet with all these potential prospects. But with Nolan Smith, he was Mike, the the undisputed leader. Even though he didn't play because of the injuries, Mm -hmm. this year on a national championship team, and everybody looked up to Nolan Smith. See, the guy that everybody's got his link to right now, I mean, there's a lot of mock drafts out there. You guys reading the same stuff we are, but is a Tyree Wilson, the dude from Texas Tech, who I just don't know anything about. You know what I mean? Because, again, you don't really think of Texas Tech as, like, a a game you're going to watch for defense. (laughs) But apparently he's a guy that (laughs) kind of does everything right. And uh, But I just think – see, Nolan, what do you think, 10 to 20? 10 to 20 for him? That's kind of uh, like where Micah Parsons was. Yeah, I mean. And he went 11th. I I don't know, man. I, I don't know about enough yet about right. Tyrese. I, I mean, I you could argue that Broderick Jones will probably go second. Jalen Carter would go first, and Broderick Jones would be the second dog off the board. Mm. Because Broderick Jones has moved up as well as far as offensive line. Some guys have him rated higher than Skaronsky. Some guys like him, and that's, and again, 11 to 20. Yeah, that this is the thing, Mike, and, and – the pro day, how how much it affects this movement of the guys you're talking about? We're specifically talking about edge guys, go uh, for the most part. But how much movement there's going to be here? That's the thing, man. I mean, and, and if a team falls in love, and I say that loosely, right? If they fall in love with the guy and they go like, "This is our guy," then they're going to do everything to go get him. They're not going to wait, and that could change how the pecking order shapes out on draft night, specifically in round one, right? Yeah, and for what it's worth, Daniel Jeremiah has got that Tyree Wilson, I mentioned, Tech, as the fourth best piece in the draft. This is his updated mock draft. That's a guy that I I think you and I respect for all the knuckleheads that do this stuff. 404-741-0929. It's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. Um, We will hear the entire interview, as we said, as he stopped by the steakhouse today. Nolan Smith. It's a fun hey, story, man. You think somebody takes a flyer? I know I mentioned this to you yesterday. A lot of guys are asking us about Stetson Bennett. And you think I mentioned old hair helmet. Mel Kuyper's got him projected as a fourth-round pick right now. I do. And I'd be curious. I, I, I think look, I think he's going to have a – I agree with some of the assessments. I think right team, he'll do He'll do no worse than like an A.J. McCarron or a McElroy. I think he'll do a little bit better. I do too. I, I agree. Hey, coming up 5 o'clock, Falcon Report's on the way. Stay there. We're going to talk about a guy that the Falcons need to make a decision on. We think they have, but what's it look like? When we come back, can he only throw two pitches and dominate? It's Dukes and Bell.
This is Jim Rome with the CBS Sports Minute, the 2020 on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Let's go. Sweet 16 for Spencer Strider and a new Atlanta record. He's nasty. There's no doubt about mm. it. Spencer Strider, uh, one of the best young pitchers in Major League Baseball. It's Dukes and Bell, Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Coming up next hour, we'll talk with Grant McCauley, uh, get the latest from spring training. But, Mike, one of the things that Strider is trying to figure out is whether he can do this with only two pitches, fastball, mm. slider. Um, the changeup, right, is something that he has in his repertoire, but right. it's not something that he necessarily trusts. And when you throw heat like like Spencer Strider, mm. just go with what's working, man. I've seen greats have two pitches in their careers and dominate. Guys, John Smoltz's out pitch was a slider. Randy Johnson had one of the best sliders in the history of the game, and he'd throw a 100-miles-per-hour fastball at you and then hit you with a slider, and mm. you were done. Roger Clemens, I saw him do this late in his career, Mike. Fastball, 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 slider. I think he can do this. Yeah, I mean, I think, and we discussed this earlier in the week, what's the phrase that uh, Max Fried, when Cole Hamels had his whatever that was with us, he was talking to Max about maybe you pitch to contact and you you know, you know get some balls, you know, ground balls easily, things that you know can be fielded, and, you know, you, you get out and you keep your pitch count down. Can Strider do some of that? Or is he still going to be that? You know, he's, nah, he's He doesn't want that. He wants to strike you out. He wants to be a 300K guy, which is great. But I, I do think the thing that always worries me when it's Strider is it's, I'm always watching. The, and I you know how much I can't stand the pitch count. But with oh, young arms like this, it's, it's a legitimate beef, especially last year when he kind of wore down at the end and then he wasn't really good against the Phillies because he, of it. He broke the uh, rookie record last year, 131 uh, in 131 innings. He broke the, the strikeout record. And you think that, you know, the, the question going into the season, first of all, let's just assume Strider's going to be healthy. We're talking about 200 strikeouts, right? We're, we're talking about these these incredible milestones that he could possibly reach. And I think it's not unreasonable to believe he can get there. But if he doesn't believe in his changeup, and here's what I'm getting to, guys. You're working on this stuff at spring training. And, Mike, it just it doesn't feel right. But I trust my slider more than my changeup. You can't get into a real game. And you're facing some of the big-time guys that he's going to be facing in the in the box. And all of a sudden now with this pitch clock and you're sped up and you're thinking, go with what works. And I think he just needs to go with fastball and, and slider. Forget the changeup. If it's not working, it's not working. Well, the article that came out, uh, was it yesterday, from Eno Saris in The Athletic? Yeah. Uh, the quote, to your point, you know, says, I don't want to throw a pitch that doesn't have the prospect of getting an out. That's what Strider told him. Worst pitches are contacted more, put into play more. You got worse command of them, like I do with my changeup. Mm. So you're falling behind, relying on pitches are going to be fouled off rather than swung and missed in a two-strike count. So what's the point of it then? This is Strider's word. So you know, I would think Cranick, the pitching coach, might want to say, look, you got to have more than two. You just gave the best of the best who could do it with two. But I just think in this day and age, I mean, you know, and especially the way things go in baseball now, it's like, oh, he's seen the lineup for the third time, which was never a freaking thing when I was a kid, right? But now it's become the thing where the averages go up. And I, I just, I would like to see him develop something else because I think for longevity, it's, it's a smart play, but it sounds like he's lukewarm to it. So when you look at the strikeouts, 38%, we're talking about Spencer Strider, guys, as Dukes and Bell, and how dominant he can be this season. And this is something that he's going through. It's not bad. It's a good thing. But 38% of the batters he saw in the fifth inning or later only managed a 180 batting average line against him, Mike, which doesn't suggest, should I say, that they were seeing him any better, to your point. So fifth inning, that may be your second time through the lineup, Mm -hmm. depending on, you know, how, how the game's gone. 
But what we're saying is if it's your second or third time through the lineup, they're not getting the best of him. Right. So it didn't matter whether or not he was throwing the changeup or not. He was just pitching. And pitching is all about feel, guys. In my years of covering Major League Baseball, the best guys I ever covered were like, look, I'm going to throw what I feel is best. Forget about, you know, oh, well, he needs to throw this pitch to get this guy out. If this is my out pitch, that's what I'm right. going with. Yeah, and there's some really, again, if you're really into the baseball nerd stuff, and there's some good, like, some information, but there's some stuff about his vertical. He's a vert guy with his, you know, the, where the release point is and all the stuff that he does. And it's, it's amazing when he, he's up there with Jacob DeGrom and Garrett Cole. It's, it's, just, it's interesting. Strider's yeah. a top five fastball in the league. There's a website called Stuff Plus, which only looks at the physical characteristics of the pitch. Look, I mean, like, I went, I went to three Strider games last year. He's one of those guys you you, you pay to see because it's yes. fun. and people want to see gas. But I'm just curious. I mean, but I don't think it's. I I still think it's something he should be looking into and, and developing the changeup because you said it. When you've got that release point, if you can make the changeup pop from there, you're going to be the best pitcher in the bigs. I agree. Four zero four seven four one zero nine two nine. And by the way, Braves fans, he is the most exciting pitcher on this staff. Period. Like I love Max Freed. Right. And if you're telling me we are in a game six and I need a dub, I'm going to start Freed. I get it. Strider's the most he's the most exciting pitcher on this staff. Mike, to your point about dropping some coin to go see him, you could fall into a Strider game and see a 20 strikeout kind of game. You know? That's the thing right. about him. That's and, the thing. And it's funny last time we were up there, we were up at the chop house and everybody's wearing the fake mustaches. Even women were wearing the fake mustaches. <laughs> it was just hysterical. But yeah, I mean there's there's no harm in trying to and, and maybe, you know, <clears throat> I'm not saying he's headstrong, but the article it's kind of, you know, comes off that he's totally locked in with the, the two pitches and that's what he's gonna be doing. All right, uh, more on the Braves coming up. We're going to talk with our guy, Grant McCauley, in the 5 o'clock hour. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. We just found that interesting because you guys are wondering, all right, well, what are they actually doing down there at spring training? This is what they're doing. Right, and now Ian Anderson is trying to be the fifth guy, and he's working on a slider. We talked about he's trying to develop his repertoire. So one guy that doesn't need to, we talked about it earlier, they played the Dominican Republic yesterday. They're really good. Played Puerto Rico today, and uh, Max Fried was uh, doing it again, Carl, doing a pretty good job. So Fried looks totally, like, locked in, struck out five. Yeah. So he just, you know, I mean – with all, I, I know that they have to work and they spend extra time doing their pitches and catches, but just put him on ice and let's get ready to roll. And now we all wait to see if, uh, if, uh, if Wright can be ready to go for the start of the season. Um, by the way, we hadn't really talked about this, but I, I just want to – and maybe we'll talk to Grant about it. You're leaving Ronald at the top of this lineup, right? Yeah. I mean, you and I have always argued about when you move into three or four, but, you know – Getting on base, stealing bases, and now yep. with, you know yep. with the DH now and the way you, the Braves lineup is so padded, it, you know it's he's that was not a technical on me. I'm just saying you can actually have Ronald Acuna on base because someone's going to knock him in the bottom of the lineup like they did last year. Yeah, I I just felt like as the game has evolved, uh, and that really happened in 2020, right when they started changing some of these rules, and now you've got the universal DH. I just don't think it's as important to adjust the way that mm. managers used to. But do, do, shouldn't he be a cleanup hitter? Or you still say he's just from so a, dynamic, from a traditional but, he's, but he's so dynamic you just keep him as a leadoff man. Well, but from a traditional standpoint, <laughs> yes, you do, Snit. From a traditional standpoint, Mike, how we have viewed baseball all of our lives, yes. But I do think that with what he does at the top of the lineup, and the reason why I ask is because you could put money Michael uh, Michael Harris there, right? Right. You would feel. I think I would feel. Yeah, comfortable. And by the way, I didn't reverse him. He's going to knock those guys in because guys, depending on yes. how the, the bottom of the lineup where Juan Grissom is, I mean, he's going to get more RBIs. But the guy that really should benefit because if, if Acuna is going to do what continue to what he's done in Venezuela earlier this year in winter ball, then he's going to play. If he can play that. You know, without having that crazy base running thing or, or jacking up his knee, jumping in the outfield, if he can be healthy, 
then, you know, Olsen could have a gazillion RBIs because oh. of all the things we're talking about with him being on base and stealing base and being in a scoring position like that. Yo, that's the thing. I mean, I think we're going to see him get on, steal a bunch of bases, and be in scoring position more than we've ever seen him this year. Um, and that, you're right. To your point now, I get a single opposite field, he's home, right? How many times are we going to see that potentially with this Braves lineup? Mm. That's what excites me. It's not just the idea of we're going to be good. Man, we got a chance to score a lot of runs with the, the base-stealing situation that, that has improved, I think, for teams like ours. All right, guys, we got more to get to, more to talk about, including more around the NFL. If you're just joining us today, uh, a couple of things going on. One, the Aaron Rodgers situation. It hasn't necessarily – it's not a done deal, but everybody's predicting that the, the Jets are going to get him. And, mm. you know, Mike, mm. I, as I said to you earlier, I want to see the compensation for this. I want to see what it looks like and how this is going to shake out for the Jets, who everybody tells me they're one piece away, but yet they don't have any cap space to do this. Uh, so be it. I, I want to see. With that said, the other thing we were talking about today is Kyler Murray, former teammate, comes out and says Kyler Murray needs to grow up. Not in He doesn't dog him out. He's just like, look, the guy's talented. He got his deal, but he's got to grow up. And we've heard a lot about this, but yet here we are talking about a guy like Lamar Jackson not getting a deal, and here are former teammates telling us mm. that the guy that got the deal already with $190 million guaranteed needs to grow up. Yeah, it started all last year before the contract got done. There were a lot of stuff coming out of that building about, you know, he's just, you know, immature. And that's why, I mean, they literally treated him like a child with the language that was in the contract. And I guess, you know, born out of frustration, he started popping off with his own coach. His coach is gone. Yep. And now you're looking at this. You're, you're locked in. And, this, and the funny thing is you're mad about the Browns doing what they did. You're mad about what these guys did because it all affects Lamar Jackson's deal. It's like a Domino's type effect. But, like, quarterback, it's like the point guard on a basketball team. We had the conversation about Trey. You know, you talk about, you know, setting the example. Some guys, you know, say, no, my job is to score points. The quarterback has got to set the tone. Quarterback is that guy. It's, I mean, it's, it's the most pressure-packed position in all of sports because it comes with all that baggage. Yeah, and that's why when you invest and pay a guy like that, you better totally and wholeheartedly know he's the guy. And when you don't, you better change things like the Eagles did with Howie Roseman and said, Wentz is not it, and they moved on. And then they got themselves in another Super Bowl because the guy they believed in was that guy. Do we know if our guy is that guy? Hmm. We'll talk about it coming up at 5 o'clock. Mike, what do we got coming up in Guy Talk? Okay, we had some really crazy man versus nature stories the last couple of days. We had the story about the family in China that brought home a dog, turned out to be a bear. And then we had the story about cocaine cat yesterday up in Ohio. <laughs> and today, uh, a man thinks he's getting uh, a bully. He's adopting a cute little puppy. But it wasn't a bully. I'll explain next. You can't front on that, Carl Dukes. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, word from the promotions department. We're going to be over at Twin Peaks in Buckhead. So come by, man. Grab an ice cold. Hey, man. They got it on draft. Lovely bartenders. Great food. You know, I love those fried cheese balls. Go get some of that and hang out with us, man. Come see Squid Billy. Bond with Squid Billy. Uh, a guy that could drink uh, and could probably use a beer right now is the uh, CEO of uh, Norfolk Southern. Uh, Alan Shaw had to stand tall before the Senate today in Congress over the derailment over in Ohio. And guess what happened, like, about an hour or two before he had to go talk in front of Congress? Not another derailment. Car wreck Mundo. Train oh. that uh, was rolling out of Atlanta apparently got off the tracks over near Anderson, Alabama, in a town called White Plains, Alabama. So north of 20, somewhere over that way. So that's that's not nice. That's not good. Well, listen, not when you're going in front of Congress. I mean, no. this guy, he's got a lot of it. you got a lot of explaining, explaining to, to do. do. Right.
Now, we've got where I live, I'm in the, in the Sharpsburg, which is just out the Tyrone. And there's a train that sometimes I got to you know, beat the train, some, not, not beat the train, I'm going to race it. But I'm saying sometimes you want to get there before the guard comes down because, you know, you'd be sitting there for a while. And I'm just wondering, I was thinking to myself, self, I know we got a lot of folks who obviously work for Norfolk Southern. Their headquarters is right down the street, used to be right across from us. But you ever wonder, because unless, you know, with a few exceptions, if you live in metro Atlanta, you're, you're generally within five miles of a railroad track. Yeah, it's and true. And when something bad happens, it's, it can be like an Ohio really bad. Oh, man. I And you see those those crashes that have happened and the derailments. It's scary stuff, man. I mean, like, to me, that's like one of my scariest moments. You know, if, right. if you were to say, hey, I wouldn't. I don't want any part of that. Like, it's a right. scary thing to be a part right. of. You know, and it's never, like, something cool, like something derails and nobody's hurt. And, like, right. you know, thousands of Yeti coolers come flying off the train. No, usually it's, like, poisonous gas. So, it's you know, well, I'm just using an example, Bo, something we can all enjoy, like a Doritos truck or something. Imagine, <laughs> imagine when we used to do the, show, the shows down at the Gulch for, like, Atlanta United and, like, the trains would come by and one derails right. and then we're all getting, like, Yeti tumblers and Yeti coolers. No, I mean, and- no, I mean of course, when we did the show down there at the Gulch, we'd be covered in coal dust because... Because that's what would be barreling. That's the thing when you see what goes down through there. I am curious when they do do the Atlantic Yards, which is going to be the big complex, which is kind of like a cross, I guess, between the Battery Carl and Atlantic Station. What's yep. going to, supposedly going to go across from State Farm and Mercedes Benz? Are they going to do like a giant tunnel for the train, so you have to deal with that if you live there? I don't know what's going to happen. Just All I thought. know is, yeah. is yeah, everything's going to be built up, Mike. But it, it, the 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 renderings that I've seen have right. they look really cool. But I don't know about all that stuff underneath and how that's going to look and what that, you know, because you can't you can't move that. Right, right. I'm just curious what the plan is, man. Okay, here's a story for you. And again, we've had some strange, strange stuff in the animal kingdom the last few days, as we mentioned in the tease. Uh, there's a dude who goes, uh-huh. there's a guy who goes by Infrared Savage on Tic Tac. And if you want to go follow Infrared, uh, on it's pretty funny. This guy posts a video about basically a catfish-type experience with a dog, a puppy, that uh, he bought from a guy who's a breeder who was supposed to be selling him a bully. Now, for those who don't know, a bully is a cute little dog. I mean, it depends on the cutes in the eye of the beholder, but it's got a great profile. It's kind of like a cross from a pit bull and a, a bulldog. You see what bullies look like. That's all the rage these days. You see a lot of them on the belt line. Yeah, they're great. <clears throat> well, guess what? Guy pictures, uh, he, he's picturing he's going to get like a nice, cute bully. He goes home. He notices that the ears are kind of jacked up on this dog. And the dog is making funny noises. Not like dog noises, but like, <laughs> kind of sounds. And uh, in, the, in the video clip, he explains how he began to realize that he's got a hyena. The guy owns a hyena. He sold him a hyena. It, it, was, it was, again, he, he thought he was getting a bully. He brought home a hyena and bit him on his leg. Well, of course, because he's a hyena. Yeah, I mean, and hyenas, again, they sound differently. That's why the hyena kind of like heckles. Like a, like a, how would you describe it? Well, a hyena laugh, I guess. You know, He does it in the video. There's some cussing involved, so you got to check it out online. It's too much to edit. But He th- wasn't hurt, though. No, but he's, it's, it's a funny video because he's like, damn, man. I, it's like, it's a bully, man. He goes, no, man, it's a, it's a jackal. He believes it's not the dog he purchased. It's a dog, cat, wolf-looking thing. And he says, he says, the hyena-like dog gave one big laugh and bit me on my leg. Hard as hell, bro, he says on the video. He goes, I don't know dogs had crack babies. This is exactly what a crack baby dog would look like. Oh, that's funny. Dude, that's crazy. Again, there's a lot of stuff, Chris, that I didn't want to make you edit all this stuff out. So I'm giving you the, the cleaner, family-friendly version of this deal. So. <laughs> so, so check it out. Hey, man, a couple of things uh, that uh, are happening on the East Coast in Maine. There's uh, folks getting, uh, unfortunately, crackdowns from the state on personalized license plates. This is an article from the Boston Herald I found online. Uh, The dude is a vegan. And he's got a, 
a vanity tag that he's had for years that says Love Tofu. L-U-V-T-O-F-U. Oh. Love to. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. So, unless you're into tofu, you might be offended by that if you just say you were sitting behind him in traffic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I didn't get mm. that at first until you yeah. just laid it out for me. The guy loves tofu. But, again, uh, and, and this guy, his name is Peter Starastecki. He is apparently an, uh, an avid vegan. And uh, he says for years he was protesting against eating meat. It's my protest against eating meat and animal products. And he did a, a Zoom session and complained about it. Apparently the main bureau of motor vehicles, somebody had nothing better to do than to go over and look at 1,400 license plates in the state of Maine, which apparently some they thought were a little suspect or risque, and said you can't do those anymore. We're going to issue you new plates. Okay, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, it was funny. We just had a story about a dog. There's a woman up in Maine named Heather Libby. She and her best friend were forced to give up their matching license plates that include a word for a female dog. Come on, come on. <laughs> it rhymes with hitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's not the route to go. Yep. People are so sensitive nowadays, Libby said. I just think it's foolish. So I guess they had hitch one and hitch two, I guess, was the, was the dog name. Oh, wow. That's a, for those, Chris, you follow me, a B is a, and it used to be a name you could use. In the American Kennel Club, that would be a division like female. So my aunt got a license plate back home in New Jersey that uh, was a word that rhymed with strut as her license plate. And she didn't realize until she got home from the DMV. Oh, she had to turn right back around because she said, I'm not having people trailing me all day. Yeah. She got rid of it. Oh, the L. Yeah. I'm glad she did. (laughs) Now, when I was a kid. There was a girl that used to drag race up in Long Island, and she had, like, the souped-up Camaro, and she had, like, a license plate holder, and there was a message. I, I, you know, I shouldn't even start this story because I can't finish it because it basically says, if you beat me, you can. Oh. Yeah, I, I guess Squid Billy's looking at me. So needless to say, there was a lot of guys trying to drag race that aforementioned 66 Camaro on Hempstead Turnpike. That's yeah. taking racing per pink slips to a whole new level. <laughs> hey, give him a rim shot. Squid Billy earns that's a rim good. shot on that one, no, man. That's good. That's Outstanding. good. By the way, uh, I hope I don't get all loopy. Squid Billy just gave me one of his, uh, I, I don't know what this is, like, uh, some flavored additive I put in my water. because I got Mio. A, Oh, but is this not going to make me go schizo? No, it's just got caffeine in it, Mike. I didn't give you drugs. I guess you could buy it at Kroger. I don't know, man. I just, I script Billy said, try some of this, man. Because I I told him during the commercial break, Carl, I got up around like 5.30 to cook breakfast for my in-laws before they got on the road to drive back to uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm literally, my butt is dragging today. So, I'm just, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to sound like that day we were up, I think it was at Falcons Camp, and you had like a monster energy. I did. And you were like, let me tell you something, I think the Falcons are going to win 100 games this year. It was just like, you were like, I mean, it was, I literally, you were like le- levitating like two inches off your seat. You were so wired that day. Well, that was, it was the first and only time I've ever had the the extra hmm. large monster drink that, that I, I Mike, I should have went with like this small. Right. And for some reason, it was, you know, we went to the convenience store. I think we were up there, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get this size. And that size set me off. Mike, I didn't sleep that night, okay? I mean, I was up all <laughs> night, that damn drink. So whatever you say uh, from now on, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I only get the smaller size. I will never get that extra large size because I was like, oh, I got home. That, oh, midnight. My wife's like, uh, you ready to go to bed? No, I'm, I'm, I'm staying up. Hey, by the way, speaking of, uh, ah, I know Chris is a big fan of EDM, electronic, uh, da- or elect- is it electronic dance music? That's what the, the acronym is. Apparently, a bunch of folks on a Disney cruise were not too happy when their boat mm. got lined up mm. next to, mm. apparently, 
that was an EDM-themed cruise. So you get the kids ready to get off the Disney boat and go to the Disney Island, I guess, in the Bahamas. And meanwhile, you got people like no shirts on, just raving. And on the men and the women, oots, oots, oots. And it's funny because apparently people are like, kids, don't look at that. And all this is raging while together they're sitting there. I guess they have Goofy and Mickey and all that stuff, and they're going to go do family-friendly stuff. When you pull in the port, you have no control to the boat you're pulling up next to. Right. right? That's what that – I mean, honestly, like these boats, and if you've ever been on the cruises – it, literally, I don't even know how they park these boats, but you, the, right. these cruise ships are literally, you feel like you can reach out and touch them, and right. they're parked next to each other. But you have no control over that. I mean, you're getting in the port at the same time. Right. All these boats are coming in at 8 a.m., and if the party's raging, it's raging. I'm a nerd for this stuff. I know I, I go down sometimes these rabbit holes on TV. I was watching, like, anytime it's on the Smithsonian, it, when they show you how they they drive and they work those big cruise ships and how yeah. they park them and use yeah. like the the, uh, the 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 aft thrusters and that whole thing and it's I, I know it's nerdy and wonkish but I do that stuff. Years ago, we're down in Key West and I had run down to CBS to get noodles for everybody so we'd all float in the pool and just be like you know fatsos and drink our beer. And I ran into a, a listener who was on a carnival cruise. Who was, they, docked, they docked in Key West, so he sees me on Duval Street and I've literally Carl, I've got like 15 noodles under my arm and a case of beer. He's like, Mike Bell, what you doing? I'm like, I'm floating to Cuba, Joe. <laughs> hey, man, that's your guy talk here on Dukes and Bell. Don't forget, tomorrow, man, come and see us. We'll drink some Hey Man over there at Twin Peaks in Buckhead. We're going to have a good time. Hey, guys, we've got tickets for you to go see Snoop Dogg, Wiz Khalifa, Warren G, and more. They're coming to town. Stay tuned. We'll give them away between now and 7 o'clock. When we come back, though, they've got to make a decision on a guy that we think should stick around. It's Dukes and Bell.